0: Welcome to All Things Apostolic Today. We're glad you're back with us on this Tuesday. This is a great, great week. Uh, I'm very excited to announce to you uh, some of the things that are happening with churches. Uh, you know, uh, uh, a lot of times, there. let's see, what did I read? Uh, in America, the average attendance in all churches in America... Is estimated to be in the 70s, each Sunday, 75, 74, 76, they're in that area. Uh I read about all of the Apostolic Pentecostal churches to the best I mean that we could uh, that researchers could find this out, and that the average attendancy was probably in the 80s, 81, 85, 82, 83, 86, and in those areas. <clears throat> Well, one of the things that is happening that's really so exciting is some of these churches that have run 80 or so for years, it's all changing. These churches are bursting with revival. And outstanding things are taking place in these churches. Now, one of the reasons we want to talk about this is that uh, if if your church is in this area, and for years it has ran 80 or 90 or 70 or 100, and it feels like, well, that's just the town that I'm in, or that's just the circumstances of the area that we live in, it's been this way for years, we don't see how it's ever going to change, then we need to take another look. And I want to encourage you to take another look. One of the things we want to do here is see apostolic churches burst with revival, and I can give you scores of churches and their addresses and their pastors of churches that are bursting with revival. There is a revival, but there's things to learn about revival. And why do some churches have revival and other churches don't have revival? And what are the keys to this? Uh, Or is it all just circumstance that in some towns, some locales, there's more people hungry for God than there is others, and there's nothing you can do to change that? Well, I'd propose to you that there are hungry people in every town and that you can have revival in your city, whatever that city is. And it doesn't matter about the size of your city. We can give you examples of churches having revival in in towns where the church is bigger than the city is, where there may only be two or three or 400 people in some little burg out here, but the church is having revival and people are receiving the Holy Ghost and good things are happening. So in this, while we're talking about this, in this area of like churches that have never really experienced big burst out of revival It is possible, it is possible that um, these churches now, a lot of these churches are now breaking out. It's just so exciting to see. We mentioned here a while back in Rosenberg, Texas, with Pastor Benjamin Davis, the church there was pastored by a fine man. And for many years, it ran in the 80s or so. At least that's about where it was. I understand when, when he took the church. Uh, and, uh, and and a good job was done. This is certainly no uh, dissing of anybody. This is This is, there wouldn't have been a church there to take if someone hadn't done a good job of getting it up and getting it built and getting buildings and having a congregation and some solid people. None of those things should ever be discounted. But by the same token, even the original pastor and others that may have came after that, they wanted to see the city reached and so now, their work is exploding. Rosenberg is an example of that. Rosenberg there was two hundred and nineteen in attendance, which was a new record. Now, we don't consider two hundred and nineteen to be a particularly large church, however, it's on an upward path, starting in the eighties. Now it's up to two hundred and nineteen. And people are receiving the Holy Ghost. There's one got baptized on that particular Sunday. There are, there are people seeking God. Many of these new, many new visitors coming. People are hungry for God. Many new visitors coming and they are praying and seeking the face of God and seeking to find the things of God. The house, as you can see here, is a packed house. And they have 10 acres they're trying to build, but it's just another good report. Thank you, for Brother Davis, for letting us know what is going on there, and we're very excited about it. Now, you can swing to a completely different state. Let's go to Louisiana. And on the outskirts of West Monroe, Louisiana, there's a church that's pastored by Julian Ryder. The name of the church is Souls Harbor Church. Now, sometimes you may have a question about what kind of churches are these because the name may not identify them. In Rosenberg, the name of the church is the Pentecostals of Rosenberg, so it identifies this as a Pentecostal church. Souls Harbor Church, someone may not know that until they walk into it, but Souls Harbor Church is not a new church. Souls Harbor Church has been there for years, and Souls Harbor Church has been an ongoing church that has progressed and and uh, and was healthy in many respects, and uh, was but ran something less than than a hundred or so, and now in the last little bit, this church has begun to grow. In the last nine months, this church, which was never known as some big church, has baptized over eighty people in the last nine months. And many of those have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The church has uh, an addiction recovery program that is seeing like 30 or 40 people in it every week. Uh, They have 25 or 30 people in discipleship classes. The church is not only winning people, but it's, it's getting them grounded in truth and grounded in what it means to be a Christian, and what it means to be a soldier, and what it means to be a disciple, and what it means to live for Jesus Christ, and what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. All of those things are extremely important for people to have an opportunity to know what actually they have got into. Teaching is such an important part of these growing churches. It's not just a lot of flim-flam. It's a it's a structured program. You, it's like someone has a baby. Well, you have a baby, and you have to learn about diapers, and you have to learn about feeding them, and you have to learn about teaching them to talk, and so forth. But then they grow, and as they grow, they move towards adulthood, to where you want them to be productive citizens uh, in the in the region, in the area, in the city, and in the family, of course. And so, uh, it's 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 parallel to to bringing people to Christ. We receive the Holy Ghost. The Bible says you must be born again. But birth is the beginning, praying people through, them being born of the Spirit. Jesus said you must be born of the Spirit and you must be born of water. And so being being born of the Spirit is to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is exemplified for us in the book of Acts in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and also Peter preaching about this very thing, water and spirit baptism in Acts 2.38. And so here's this church that is practicing those things. Now, why are they having revival? And maybe there's other churches around them that have been similar over the years, but continue to be in the track that they were in all of those years. What is it that a church finds that all of a sudden that it begins to explode forth with revival. When you look at this uh, Souls Harbor Church, there's there's two or three being baptized now every week. They've got people baptizing people in swimming pools around the city because of the Bible studies they're teaching and the people that are hungry. And they've got uh, somebody receiving the Holy Ghost virtually every week in Souls Harbor. And Pastor Julian Ryder is doing a great job of leading them. So what is it? What is it that this church has this? Well, I can tell you what it is. It is leadership that has revelation about leading people into revival. These people understand that. Now, now, I would Julian Ryder is a Wilson University alumni, alumnus, and he um, he understands some things that we talked about in classes and that we and that we, the dynamics of it was exemplified, and we all attended places where the Holy Ghost was moving and, and, and learned concepts of, of, of how you open the door for the moving of the Holy Ghost, all of these kinds of things. Same thing with, with, uh, with Ben Davis. He's exposed himself to those that have walked in that path, and he's picked it up in his spirit, and these men pick this up in their spirit, and they become powerful, dynamic people which both of these are. So these are things that though are, it's not reserved for some elite group and a mistake. It's always a mistake that when you see someone having revival, you immediately think of yourself. And if you're not having revival, you think, well, I'm not having revival and they're making me look bad. And so our flesh has a tendency to marginalize people or attempt to marginalize people and, and, and say, well, they, you know, there's something there they must be compromising or, or something. Revival is not does not equate with compromise. Revival equates with drawing close to God and separation from the world unto the work of the kingdom of God. So now, what will keep these churches moving forward? Well, the thing that'll keep these churches moving forward is that they learn how to make leaders out of everybody possible in the church that's another whole part of the of the revival thing is that people learn they learn how to teach they learn how to witness it. they learn they learn what it feels like to have the anointing of god upon them they realize that they have um they have access to revelation just like their pastor has access to revelation to the gifts of the spirit, that God will give them a word of knowledge, of understanding, of how to do something, a word of wisdom, how to do it right, uh, and 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 all of these things are available. But the but the church is taught in these kinds of things. The teaching process never ends because the new people coming in is a new generation of Christians that must also be taught. Let me just also say that this is not just about in the day we're living in. This is not just about old people. Most everybody we're talking about here is young people. And the people that are coming in, in many cases, are young people. Don't, don't, don't go there and start saying, well, this generation doesn't care about God. That is not true. This generation is desperate for God. So how do we find the, the area that touches their heart and preach the word of God in such a way that it touches their heart and lets them, that opens a door to them that they can see? that here's what God has for them. These are the things we're dealing with, and these are the things we're emphasizing here on all things apostolic. These churches are across America. It's not just an East Coast thing or a West Coast thing. It's not just a Southern thing or a Northern thing. It's everywhere. There are churches in Washington, the state of Washington, who are having dynamic revival. There are churches in Florida that are having dynamic revival. There are churches in Middle America that are having dynamic revival. There are churches on the East and the West Coast that are having dynamic revival. Last Sunday, we just had three or four more receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and some powerful things take place in the service. These are things that God is doing these are things that God wants you and me to be a part of. So now we'll be talking about more of these things. Tomorrow, tomorrow, we are going to go back and we're going to talk about what are the perceived weaknesses. We're talking about prophecy. We put this in when we can with all of the news that's coming in. But uh, what are the weaknesses in dispensations when we're in the subject of prophecy and and the plan, the layout of the Bible and, and how God has shown us what the future looks like. Um, and so dispensations is part of that. And unfortunately, in um, even in the apostolic movement, there are people who have found uh, weaknesses in the evangelical presentation of dispensations, which is making them throw the baby out with the bathwater and saying, "Well, dispensations is wrong because I can show you here where the teaching on dispensations does not match Scripture." To which I would 100% agree. But you are talking about an evangelical presentation of dispensation, dispensations. You're not talking about an apostolic Pentecostal presentation because until now there's never been a theology developed about this from an apostolic Pentecostal standpoint. But now there is. And so we want you to join us. You're going to enjoy it. We are going to actually go through a list of perceived weaknesses in the idea of dispensations. We're going to describe how those fit and don't fit. We're going to answer questions. We will. We will. We invite your comment, your input, your questions, um, your suggestions, anything that you want to uh, give to us. We are just glad to be with you. One of the things I want to say is is that. One of the reasons oftentimes we do not emphasize prophetic teaching is because people have used it to become so divisive and it has actually divided people instead of bringing people together. This is something we want to prevent. We want to avoid. We don't want to divide people. We want to bring them together. But we don't want to bring them together in not not presenting when there are false doctrines that are being taught that will have consequences that are negative. So anyway, join us tomorrow. You're going to enjoy it. And we are going to have a good time.